0: Welcome to the Cruising
1: Altitude Podcast. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Ryan Wagesbach, Vice President at Priority Jet, and I'm sitting with um, Mr. Marlon Priest, um, a CEO of Pioneer Aviation Management. Marlon um, comes to us today with over 43 years of aviation maintenance and management experience. Marlon, so thank welcome. Thanks, appreciate being here. So, I have a question. I was sitting in the FBO, <laughs> talking with a fellow friend. We, he shares with me that he was the FO on a Citation Excel one day, and they're on uh, approach with a principal in the back. Uh, it was a multi, multi-leg, style, uh, multi-leg day, and um, had a bird strike on the inbound leading edge of the wing. He reported it to Tower. Dropped the pack. The FBO walked out, <clears throat> looked at the leading edge. He saw some dents, saw some blood, saw some scratches. Told the captain, "Hey, I don't see any issue. Let's go pick up the chairman and return him. You know, getting back home. We were on a timetable. I had to keep it. Uh, we complete the the flight legs, return home, and I was. He was casually sharing with his. Uh, lead technician, that hey I had a bird strike, and he got an alarming response, and he was floored. He didn't know what. You know, what did I do wrong? So where you know what happened? What's what's, what's going on? What's the big What's, <laughs> what's the, the big deal? That's yeah, that's right. <laughs> the question.
2: Okay, let's take a let's take a step back. Think about this for a moment. And uh, of course, the technician is responsible for the overall care, management, maintenance of the aircraft, the airworthiness.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, anytime anything happens. That does or might impact that airworthiness. Uh, it's a really good idea if you have in-house maintenance to let that maintenance technician know as soon as the event happens. But let's take a step back, you know, in the conversation and go back to that point in time where the uh, where the FO where your friend realized that they had hit a strike. First of all, he did he did the first thing right. He contacted the tower and said, hey, we just hit a bird Mm -hmm. um, because the airports really like to know that information. There is a program in place that's uh, administered under the U.S. Department of Agriculture that uh, does assist airports with wildlife mitigation. There's a plan. There's a process. And if you're at a control field or an airport that has a tower, um, most of the airport authorities, if not all of them, all of them that I'm familiar with, do have uh, bird strike reporting kits where you can you know essentially what they ask you to do is fill out a form collect the blood and guts on the airplane uh, they refer to it as snarge so connect it collect
1: connect it collect collect, collect, it.
2: collect it all from the actual air from the aircraft okay yes because hmm. uh, what they want they they provide you a form a bag a snarge kit that they'll refer to it sometimes as and uh, they want you to collect those remains and then send those remains there's there's information in the packet. But uh, the remains actually go back to the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, (laughs) DC. And they have a group of people um, that uh, that look at the remains look at the feathers, look, especially if there's no feathers, but there's blood, they can actually do a DNA sample. And they can actually identify the species of bird. Then that helps the airport identify in their wildlife mitigation program. Okay, is it a resident bird? Is it a migratory bird? You know, some airports, especially in the south, mm-hmm. um, have migratory birds like mourning doves, blackbirds. Uh, up in the north, you can have more birds like Canada geese, some species of hawk. So it helps them identify.
1: And this snarge is the all just blood guts. Yeah, that's it's it. the remnants. Yes, the blood, it's, the guts, the feathers, the okay. you
2: know, if there's any uh, feet, pieces, wing pieces. Okay. Where that <laughs> word came from, I have no <laughs> idea.
0: You know, when I first heard that word, I thought,
2: snars, really? Is that the best we could do with, but is a term? I'm sure it has an, uh, an appropriate abbreviation or appropriate uh, definition. I have, you know, I've never spent the, the time researching to see why they came up with that term.
1: So we made the right move by contacting the tower? Yes when he landed he should have then contacted his lead technician that
2: would have been the appropriate thing to do and here's why um, bird strikes oftentimes even though from a pilot perspective there may not be any damage apparent or in this case the pilot indicated there were some scratches that could have come from bone beak hard surface matter uh, dense uh, today's aircraft especially the aircraft that have composite surfaces or structures may suffer an impact and not show any surface damage indication however subsurface in those layers you may have some separation you may have some damage because those are fibers right yes they and are, they get torn or potentially they, get yeah they torn. can they, they form pockets or they can form voids um, okay. and there's tests that, you know there, there are procedures to check to see if those are within limits or not if it's a metal eating edge you know the dents, Oftentimes, uh, in the case of this particular aircraft, uh, that wing is heated by hot bleed air through tubes that are called piccolo tubes behind that leading edge. Depending on where that dent is and how deep that dent is, it can create problems with heat flow. It may push it up against the, uh, the piccolo tube, which could restrict the air and or cause a hot spot right there on that leading edge that could lead to further damage. So there are there are defined inspection criteria limits within the maintenance manual. So the correct thing to do would have been to notify the maintenance technician. And then the technician would have referred to his maintenance documentation to determine what if any additional inspection requirements would be necessary. Was
1: the aircraft airworthy?
2: Well, that that would be a determination that would uh, would be made through that conversation with the mechanic, the technician back at home. And if there was maintenance available at the point of landing where the strike occurred, then it could be coordinated. The other thing that you have to take into consideration, some aircraft have a a, uh, out of phase or what they call a special inspection requirement. And those special inspection requirements can happen after a lightning strike, after flight through hail or storm. Um, upset, turbulence, and bird strikes. So there can actually be what we call a chapter 5, a mandatory inspection requirement following an event. Hmm. So by by the pilot taking on the assumption well there doesn't appear to be anything that would warrant me taking a maintenance action. Everything appears to be okay. The aircraft's just dirty. It's got blood and guts and feathers on it but I don't see any of what appears to be major damage, I think we're good to go. The second thing that comes to mind over and above that, given where the bird strike occurred on the inboard leading edge, mm-hmm. that is immediately forward or in the vicinity of the engine intake. So in this case, it being a, a Citation XL, I think it was mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, if that bird hit and bounced and went up, it could be drawn into the intake of the engine. You know, from the story you related, I didn't hear anything where the pilot got up on the wing and took a look inside the inlet to see if there was bird remains or snars but on the fan have blades. or you have noticed in the cockpit if if he had eaten, he ber- eaten a bird? Sometimes you will, sometimes you don't. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, depending it depends on the size of the bird, how much went in. Some of these engines, you know, these, these modern-day fan engines, a lot of the air... Uh, is produced, a lot of the thrust, the power is produced from the bypass air that goes around the engine and not necessarily through the core of the engine. And oftentimes the remnants will, they hit the fan blades, they hit the engine at the front. All this matter is slung to the outside Mm -hmm. from centrifugal force from the motion of the fan and this stuff simply goes through the bypass duct and out the back of the engine. But in the process, it can damage fan blades and can damage the stationary blades behind the fans called the stators, it can do damage that may render that engine at risk for failure on, on the flight. So you know, at least, you know, I would, I would have said that a phone call was warranted to the maintenance technician, allow him to check the documents to see what is required, what may be required, and if
1: if additional assistance is required. Flying in the past, we always think, you know, are you going to actually hit a bird? Right? Is it is it really going to happen? And you know, the more and more I hear, bird strikes are very common. Oh yeah, very common. Um, <laughs> you you just think, hey, I'm invincible flying through the air at you know 250 knots at low altitudes. Mm-hmm. Hey, I can obliterate anything, right? Um, but when we were talking about this, I was thinking about. The Airbus, they, what was it, the A three hundred and twenty or the three hundred and nineteen? The U.S. Air that ingested an entire what, flock? It was a number of a number of Canada geese, and you recall what
2: happened? Uh, and so week. it just it just
1: completely snarled yeah. the engine. Yeah,
2: it just both engines were. Even though engines are required a certification to be able to ingest a certain amount of fod f o d we call it and still continue mm-hmm. to run and to run at power. In that instance you just you know what we call the the dip in the hudson in that instance the sheer amount of goose meat that went in the engines went in the inlets of both engines it's locked they, up. they they could not once the fire goes out at that point it's you know it's very difficult where these guys were it's difficult to get the fire back
1: interesting uh, cuz you can't right if you lose your, your ignition at that low of an altitude, correct.
2: Yeah, now you you know well, you look well. Point. They and they well, did go through the emergency through procedures, but right. you remember we're where done. they were, the right.
1: altitude they were, right.
2: the attitude that they were in. They simply did not have enough time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in looking back at that, you know, that was a textbook. To me, that was textbook crew, cockpit resource like, management. That's what I was about to and say. And cockpit that, resource. You know, they had they had an excellent outcome. They had their and stuff together. Exactly. And, you know, oftentimes that is not the case, you know, uh-huh. uh, where a situation like that can happen where a number of birds or a number of objects are ingested into the inlets and the engines yeah. fail and there's a catastrophic event that occurs after that. But, yeah, that, that's probably uh, one of the best examples of if, you, if this happens, this can be the outcome.
1: And then you were sharing with me before we started uh, talking about about all this subject was you had a friend that uh, was flying what an eight hundred XP? No, it was an early, an older uh, Hawker.
2: Yeah, it was an old, an old Hawker with the uh, with the Viper, streamer engines on it. Okay. And uh, they were actually at cruise altitude and uh, you know, navigating through some corridors in between a line of thunderstorms. Right. And uh, the pilot. Uh, suddenly he thought he blinked and he thought it was just a shadow and the next thing he realized the the cabin was filling full of smoke that smelled like burnt chicken feathers and the left engine (laughs) just (laughs) shut itself down all of a sudden he didn't have it it was there and then it wasn't and the airplane was full of smoke and uh, of course they, they got on the ground as quickly as they could with ATC's help and uh The airplane scratching her head, wondering what was going on, looked in the inlet, and what was left of the engine contained a lot of what appeared to be a Canada goose. So, ate a goose. Ate a goose at altitude. At altitude from a thunderstorm. The best thing in recounting recounting what happened, because you know he was thinking the insurance company's never going to believe this one, (laughs) and we were at cruise altitude and hit a bird. The best, uh, the best that they could could think was that perhaps this bird or a flock of birds, flock of geese, wow. got sucked into the bottom of a thunderstorm during its convective building stage, and you know were were not frozen. frozen with the with the altitude game and and uh, spit out the top of this thunderstorm, and he just happened to be in the wrong place at the right time and Good took things. it in the engine.
1: That is luck right there. Yeah. That is pure uh, luck. or yeah. the, you know, Lucky in that Woo. they took it and survived. Unlucky in that he was where he was when My the goose came
2: by. God. Yeah, so it was.
1: Well, we're getting into that period, and that's why I think it was important to talk about this. We're getting into mm-hmm. the fall when you know, bird strikes are more prevalent. Yes. And uh, I think we need to be all aware. You know, We talked about uh, calling your, your lead yeah. technician. Have but, that
2: have that conversation. Don't don't assume because you can't see damage that there's not
1: damage that needs to be investigated. So I'm an i R. I'm a 135 operation. We our pilots are out. We're in some remote town in the middle of Iowa, and we hit a bird. We're going to call the MRO, correct? Yeah, you're That's our that's our. We're going to call the MRO and say. Yeah, if
2: you're if you're a 135 operator or a corporate operator, most of the time you will have a, a program of you know, there is a process. Mm-hmm. If you have unscheduled maintenance or an event, then there is a you know, there is a chain of command or a plan that you will follow. And the beauty of that is your maintenance people get involved and they can coordinate the effort with you mm-hmm. because the goal here is to get the airplane back in service, get That's it right. back in service both in a safe manner. And in an airworthy manner. You know, so in this case, was the was the airplane airworthy? Well, it flew, but was it technically airworthy from a maintenance standpoint? Sure. Were there requirements that should have been looked at? Sure. Could the could it have been something that the pilot was trained to do in a flight department? Where it was discussed with the with the maintenance folks? You know, if if this happens, here's some things in in accordance with the regulations that you can do as a flight crew member mm-hmm. and then the mechanic through a phone call or through training and both because it would involve some communication the pilot could actually return the aircraft to service with his pilot's certificate and his signature there are allowances in the FARs for pilots to do certain levels of maintenance that are within the bounds of what's called preventive maintenance and you know those are those are things that you need to look at when when you have uh, an environment where a flight crew member is in that situation. There are certain things that can be done where a flight can be continued both safely and legally. Right. And uh, you know, but it's best to have that conversation with your maintenance technician and with your staff to make sure you're doing it correctly. Better safe than sorry. Yes,
1: that's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Enough snarge. Let's thank our... While we're here,
2: let me just go ahead and define this because it is an actual term. I know we've thrown this around and laughed about it. It it does actually have a definition. Snarge is the residue smeared on an airplane after a bird plane collision.
1: (laughs) All right. There (laughs) you go. (laughs) I didn't make this up. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So we'll be back in a minute to wrap this up.
0: Experience the ultimate in aviation services with Priority Jet. The premier private jet charter, aviation maintenance, and aviation management provider, Priority Jet operates light and mid-sized jets throughout North America, Central and South America, and the Caribbean. At Priority Jet, our mission is to exceed the expectations of our customers by providing personalized private jet services that reflect our commitment to safety, efficiency, and the highest level of customer service. This includes everything from personalized air travel solutions to our exclusive luxury options. Whether you require a private jet charter flight, private jet aircraft management services, or simply need our industry-wide expertise, Priority Jet can help. Contact us today, toll-free at 888-538-5332 or visit us online at PriorityJet.net and discover for yourself how you can experience the ultimate in aviation services with Priority Jet.
2: All right, Marlon. i got to ask. So we're, we're through. We've had enough
1: snar, so We've had enough to... bird Take meat. Take a break. No okay. more bird meat. Um, what does private aviation look like with the Donald Trump as president? That That's an interesting, you know, <laughs> we, we've, we've had our
2: fun with this. That's an interesting concept. Can you imagine Air Force One with Trump painted down the side of it? What would that look like? I you know, it's, it's hard to say, but, you know, he's a...
1: It's going to be good. It, it would think, be good I for aviation. It, it could it? be
2: good for corporate and business aviation. <laughs> I think we would we would have an advocate in the White House, possibly. But uh, it it would be interesting at uh, at least
1: so going back. Who would you say has been the best president for business aviation over the past forty years that you've seen and you That's, could see a, a tangible change? tough call. But I you know, I would have
2: to say, uh, Bush W. Uh, he was a, an advocate, I think the industry, you know, typically, from my experience, business aviation sector typically has like a 10 to 15 year cycle. And if you go back, I think, uh, if, I, if my memory is right, during that period, when he was in the White House, we had sustained growth. I mean, you talking
1: about daddy or junior? Yeah. Junior w. 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 Okay, W. 43.
2: W. I think 41 was. Well, that was the big boom.
1: Yeah, that was a yeah. big boom.
2: Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think we're seeing we're seeing some change in the industry. Now we're mm-hmm. seeing I think I call it the saw blade effect. We're, we're going up and then coming back going up and then coming back. But I think there is uh, there is energy in the market. Again, there's energy in the industry. Um, I think it, I think the next four years, maybe eight years, you're going to be having a good time. run. I think so. All right. Well, thank you so um, much. And I hope I painted an ugly middle picture for Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> Trump on the side. We might we <laughs> might deal with that. That, <laughs> might, that might be good. Well, you know, we're supposed to be building some Air Force One is due to be replaced. I think in a few years. So. The
1: 800 model? Yeah, is it? 800 model I don't, the I don't remember
2: the exact model, but oh, yeah. I know it's a it's a new variant of the 747. So
1: It's a big, nice, corporate yes. jet. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. So thank you sure. for joining me today and talking about um, snarge yes. and the do's and don'ts. <laughs> thank you again to our sponsor, Priority Jet. Uh, you can find them on the web at www.priorityjet.net. Stay tuned. We'll have more topics uh, very soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Cruising Altitude Podcast.